0: section thirteen of the book of sir marco polo the venetian concerning the kingdoms and marvels of the east volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the book of sir marco polo the venetian concerning the kingdoms and marvels of the east volume one by rusticello de pisa TRANSLATED BY HENRY Yule. INTRODUCTORY NOTICES PART 13 NATURE OF Polo's INFLUENCE ON GEOGRAPHICAL KNOWLEDGE Marco Polo contributed such a vast amount of new facts to the knowledge of the earth's surface that one might have expected his book to have had a sudden effect upon the science of geography, but no such result occurred speedily, nor was its beneficial effect of any long duration. No doubt several causes contributed to the slowness of its action upon the notions of cosmographers, of which the unreal character attributed to the book, as a collection of romantic marvels, rather than of geographical and historic facts, may have been one, as Santarum urges. But the essential causes were no doubt the imperfect nature of publication before the invention of the press, the traditional character which clogged geography as well as all other branches of knowledge in the Middle Ages, and the entire absence of scientific principle in what passed for geography so that there was no organ competent to the assimilation of a large mass of new knowledge. Of the action of the first cause, no examples can be more striking than we find in the false conception of the Caspian as a gulf of the ocean, entertained by Strabo, and the opposite error in regard to the Indian Sea held by Ptolemy, who regards it as an enclosed basin, when we contrast these with the correct ideas on both subjects presented by Herodomus. The later geographers no doubt knew his statements, but did not appreciate them probably from not possessing the evidence on which they were based. As regards the second cause alleged, we may say that down nearly to the middle of the fifteenth century cosmographers, as a rule, made scarcely any attempt to reform their maps by any elaborate search for new matter, or by lights that might be collected from recent travellers. Their world was in its outline that handed down by the traditions of their craft, as sanctioned by some father of the church, such as Osiris or Isidore as sprinkled with a combination of classical and medieval legend, Solinus being the great authority for the former. Almost universally, the earth's surface is represented as filling the greater part of a circular disk rounded by the ocean, a fashion that already existed in the time of Aristotle and was ridiculed by him. No dogma of false geography was more persistent or more pernicious than this. Jerusalem occupies the central point because it was found written in the prophet Ezekiel, Hecadicit Dominis Deus, est jerusalem in medio gentium et in eos terras a declaration supposed to be corroborated by the psalmist's expression regarded as prophetic of the death of our lord deus autum rex noster ante secula operest et salutum in psalm seventy three verse twelve the terrestrial paradise was represented as occupying the extreme east because it was found in genesis that the lord planted a garden eastwards in eden Gog and Magog were set in the far north or northeast because it was said again in ezekiel ecce ergo super tegog princeum capitus mospe et turubal et ascendere te speciam de lateraribus aquilonius while probably the topography of those mysterious nationalities was completed by a girdle of mountains out of the alexandrian fables the loose and scanty nomenclature was mainly borrowed from Pliny or Mela through such fathers as we have named Whilst vacant spaces were occupied by Amazons, Atomosessians, and the realm of Prester John. A favorite representation of the inhabited earth was this, a great O enclosing a T, which thus divides the circle in three parts, the greater or half-circle being Asia, the two-quarter circles Europe and Africa. These maps were known to St. Augustine. Even Ptolemy seemed to have been almost unknown, and indeed, had his geography been studied it might with all its errors have tended to some greater endeavours after accuracy roger bacon while lamenting the exceeding deficiency of geographical knowledge in the latin world and proposing to essay an exacter distribution of countries says he will not attempt to do so by latitude and longitude for this is a system of which the latins have learned nothing he himself while still somewhat burdened by the authoritative dicta of saints and sages of past times ventures at least to criticize some of the latter, such as Pliny and Ptolemy, and declares his intention to have recourse to the information of those who have traveled most extensively over the earth's surface. And, judging from the good use he makes, in his description of the northern parts of the world, of the travels of Ruquebus, whom he had known and questioned, besides diligently studying his narrative, we might have expected much in geography from this great man, had similar materials been available to him for other parts of the earth, He did attempt a map with mathematical determination of places, but it has not been preserved. It may be said with general truth that the world maps current up to the end of the thirteenth century had more analogy to the mythical cosmography of the Hindus than to anything properly geographical. Both, no doubt, were originally based in the main on real features. In the Hindu cosmography, these genuine features are symmetrized as in a kaleidoscope in the european cartography they are squeezed together in a manner that one can only compare to a pig in brawn here and there some features strangely compressed and distorted is just recognizable a splendid example of this kind of map is that famous one at hereford executed about a d 1275 of which a facsimile has lately been published accompanied by a highly notorious illustrative essay among the arabs many able men from the early days of islam took an interest in geography And devoted labor to geographical compilations in which they often made use of their own observations, of the itineraries of travelers, and of other fresh knowledge. But somehow or other their maps were always far behind their books. Though they appear to have had an early translation of Ptolemy, and elaborate tables of latitudes and longitudes form a prominent feature in many of their geographical treatises, there appears to be no Arabian map in existence laid down with meridians and parallels whilst all of their best-known maps are on an old system of the circular disk. This apparent incapacity for map-making appears to have acted as a heavy drag and bar upon progress in geography amongst the Arabs, notwithstanding its early promise among them, and, in spite of the application to its furtherance of the great intellects of some, such as Abu Hryan al and of the indefatigable spirit of travel and omnivorous curiosity of others, such as Masudi. Some distinct trace of acquaintance with the Arabian geography is to be found in the world map of Marino Salundo the Elder, constructed between 1300 and 1320, and this may be regarded as an exceptionally favourable specimen of the cosmography in vogue, for the author was a diligent investigator and compiler, who evidently took a considerable interest in geographical questions, and had a strong enjoyment and appreciation of a map. Nor is the map in question without some result of these characteristics. His representation of Europe Northern Africa, Syria, Asia Minor, Arabia, and its two gulfs is a fair approximation of general facts. His collected knowledge has enabled him to locate with more or less of general truth Georgia, the iron gates, Catay, the plain of Mogum, Euphrates and Tigris, Persia, Baghdad, Caius, Aden, though on the wrong side of the Red Sea, Abyssinia, Abesh, Zangobar, Zint, Jeddah, Zeddah, etc. But after all, the traditional forms are too strong for him. Jerusalem is still the center of the disk of the habitable earth, so that the distance is as great from Syria to Gades in the extreme west as from Syria to the Indian interior of Prester John, which terminates the extreme east. And Africa beyond the Arabian Gulf is carried, according to the Arabian modification of Ptolemy's misconception, far to the eastward until it almost meets the prominent shores of India. The first genuine medieval attempt at a geographical construction that I know of absolutely free from the traditional adula, is the map of the known world from the portolano miticio in the laurentian library of which an extract is engraved in the atlas of Baldelli bono's polo i need not describe it however because i cannot satisfy myself that it makes much use of polo's contributions and its facts have been embodied in a more ambitious work of the next generation the celebrated catalan map of thirteen seventy five in the great library of paris this also but on a larger scale and in a more comprehensive manner is an honest endeavor to represent the known world on the basis of collected facts casting aside all theories pseudo-scientific or pseudo-theological and a very remarkable work it is in this map it seems to me marco polo's influence i will not say on geography but on map-making is seen to the greatest advantage his book is the basis of the map as regards central and further asia and partially as regards india his names are often sadly perverted and it is not always easy to understand the view that the compiler took of its itineraries. Still, we have Kate admirably placed in the true position of China, as a great empire filling the southeast of Asia. The eastern peninsula of India is indeed absent altogether, but the peninsula of hither India is, for the first time in the history of geography, represented with a fair approximation to its correct form and position. And Sumatra also, Java, is not badly placed. Karajan, Bochiam, Min, and Bangala are located with a happy conception of their relation to kate and to india many details in india foreign to polo's book and some in kate as well as in turkestan and siberia which have been entirely derived from other sources have been embodied in the map but the study of his book has i conceive been essentially the basis of those great portions which i have specified and the additional matter has not been in mass sufficient to perplex the compiler Hence we really see in this map something like the idea of Asia that the traveller himself would have presented, had he bequeathed a map to us. In the following age we find more frequent indications that Polo's book was diffused and read, and now that the spirit of discovery began to stir, it was apparently regarded in a juster light as a book of facts, and not as a mere Roman de Grand Khan. But in fact this age produced new supplies of crude information in greater abundance than the knowledge of geographers was prepared to digest or coordinate, and the consequence is that the magnificent work of fourteen fifty nine, though the result of immense labour in the collection of facts and the endeavour to combine them really gives a considerably less accurate idea of asia than that which the catalan map had afforded and when at a still later date the great burst of discovery eastward and westward took effect the result of all attempts to combine the new knowledge with the old was most unhappy the first and crudest forms of such combinations attempted to realize the ideas of columbus regarding the identity of his discoveries with the regions of the great khan's dominion but even after america had vindicated its independent position on the surface of the globe and the new knowledge of the portuguese had introduced china where the catalan map of the fourteenth century had presented Cathay, the latter country with a hold of polo's nomenclature was shoved away to the north forming a separate system henceforward the influence of polo's work on maps was simply injurious and when to his nomenclature was added a sprinkling of ptolemies as was usual throughout the sixteenth century the result was a most extraordinary hotch-potch conveying no approximation to any consistent representation of facts thus in a map of fifteen twenty two running the eye along the north of europe and asia from west to east we find the following succession of names ronlandia or greenland as a great peninsula overlapping that of norvegia and Susia. Livonia, Plaskovia, and moscovia Tartaria, bounded on the south by Siccia extra-uman, and on the east by the rivers Orches and Palpatis, out of Ptolemy, which are made to flow into the Arctic Sea. South of these are Eryxacis and Amuria, Ptolemy's Oxylitus and Mesmera, and Serica Regio. Then, following the north coast, Pavlo Regio, Judea Closi, i.e. the ten tribes who are constantly associated or confounded with the shut-up nations of Gog and Magog. These impinge upon the river Poluscus, flowing into the northern ocean at latitude 75 degrees, but which is in fact no other than Polo's Polisungen. Immediately south of this is Solomon Porvencia, Polo's again, and on the coast, Trancut, Catea, the rivers Camaron and Oman, a misreading of Polo's Quinin, Quinzie, and Mangi. The maps of Makator, 1587, and Mangini, 1597, are similar in character, but more elaborate, Introducing China as a separate system such indeed also is Blau's map sixteen sixty three excepting that Ptolemy's contributions are reduced to one or two in sanson's map sixteen fifty nine the data of polo and the mediaeval travellers are more cautiously handled but a new element of confusion is introduced in the form of numerous features derived from andridesi it is scarcely worth while to follow the matter further with the increase of knowledge of northern asia from the russian side and that of china from the maps of martini followed by the surveys of the jesuits and with the real science brought to bear on asiatic geography by such men as deslil and d'andeville mere traditional nomenclature gradually disappeared and the task which the study of polo has provided for the geographers of later days has been chiefly that of determining the true localities that his book describes under obsolete or corrupted names Before concluding, it may be desirable to say a few words on the subject of important knowledge other than geographical, which various persons have supposed that Marco Polo must have introduced from Eastern Asia to Europe. Respecting the Mariner's compass and gunpowder, I shall say nothing, as no one now, I believe, imagines Polo to have had anything to do with their introduction. But from a highly respectable source in recent years, we have seen the introduction of block printing into Europe connected with the name of our traveller the circumstances are stated as follows in the beginning of the fifteenth century a man named pomfilo castaldi of Fetre was employed by the signori or government of the republic to engross deeds and public edicts of various kinds the initial letters at the commencement of the writing being usually ornamented with red ink or illuminated in gold and colours according to sansovino certain stamps or types had been invented some time previously by pietro natale bishop of aquilia these were made at Morano of glass, and were used to stamp or print the outline of the large initial letters of public documents, which were afterwards filled up by hand. Pofilo Castaldi improved on these glass types by having others made of wood or metal, and having seen several Chinese books which the famous traveller Marco Polo had brought from China, and of which the entire text was printed with wooden blocks, he caused movable wooden types to be made, each type containing a single letter and with these he printed several broadsides and single leaves at Venice in the year 1426. Some of these single sheets are said to be preserved among the archives at Feltre. The tradition continues that John Faust, of Mayence, became acquainted with Castaldi, and passed some time with him at his scriptorium at Feltre, and, in short, developed from the knowledge so acquired the great invention of printing. Mr. Curzon goes on to say that Panfilo Castaldi was born in 1398 and died in 1490, and that he gives the story as he found it in an article written by Dr. Jacobo Fassan of Feltre in a Venetian newspaper called Il Gondoliere, number 103, of 27th December, 1843. In a later paper, Mr. Curzon thus recurs to the subject. Though none of the early block books have dates affixed to them, many of them are with reason supposed to be more ancient than any books printed with movable types their resemblance to chinese block-books is so exact that they would almost seem to be copied from the books commonly used in china the impressions are taken off on one side of the paper only and in binding both the chinese and ancient german or dutch block-books the blank sides of the pages are placed opposite each other and sometimes pasted together the impressions are not taken off with printer's ink but with a brown paint or color of a much thinner description, more in the nature of India ink, as we call it, which is used in printing Chinese books. Although the German and Oriental block-books are so precisely alike in almost every respect, that we must suppose that the process of printing them must have been copied from ancient Chinese specimens, brought from that country by some early travelers, whose names have not been handed down to our times. The writer then refers to the tradition that Gutenberg, as it is stated on this occasion not faust having learned castaldi's art etc mentioning a circumstance which he supposes to indicate that gutenberg had relations with venice and appears to assent to the probability of the story of the art having been founded on specimens brought home by marco polo this story was in recent years diligently propagated in northern italy and resulted in the erection of feltra of a public statue of pomfilo castaldi bearing this inscription besides others of like tenor to panfilo castaldi the illustrious inventor of movable printing types italy renders this tribute of honour too long deferred in the first edition of this book i devoted a special note to the exposure of the worthiness of the evidence for this story this note was with the present essay translated and published at venice by commander batshot but this challenge to the supporters of the patriotic romance so far as i have heard brought none of them into the lists in its defence but since costaldi has got his statue from the printers of lombardy would it not be mere equity that the mariners of spain should set up a statue at helva to the pilot Alonso sanchez of that port who according to spanish historians after discovering the new world died in the house of columbus of techeria and left the crafty genoese to appropriate his journals and rob him of his fame seriously if anybody in Petra cares for the real reputation of his native city let him do his best to have that preposterous and discreditable fiction removed from the base of the statue. If Castaldi has deserved a statue on other and tour grounds, let him stand. If not, let him be burnt into honest lime. I imagine that the original story that attracted Mr. Curzon was more jeudespire than anything else, but that the author, finding what a stone he had set rolling, did not venture to retract. Mr. Curzon's own observations, which I have italicized about the resemblance of the two systems, are however very striking and seem clearly to indicate the derivation of the art from china but i should suppose that in the tradition if ever there was any genuine tradition of the kind at of Beltra, a circumstance worthy of all doubt the name of marco polo was introduced merely because it was so prominent a name in eastern travel the fact has been generally overlooked and forgotten that for many years in the course of the fourteenth century not only were missionaries of the roman church and the houses of the Franciscan order established in the chief cities of china but a regular trade was carried on overland between Italy and China by way of Tana or Azov, Astrakhan, Ostra, and Kamul, insomuch that instructions for the Italian merchant following that route form the first two chapters in the mercantile handbook of Balducci Pergolati, circa 1340. Many a traveller besides Marco Polo might, therefore, have brought home the block-books, and this is the less to be ascribed to him because he so curiously admits to speak of the art of printing, when his subject seems absolutely to challenge his description. End of section 13. Recording by Todd.